welcome to Will Make a Disney Out of You, the podcast where we take a deep dive into all things Disney and what they mean to us. Each week, we will be reacquainting ourselves with a classic Disney movie and sharing all the Disney info and Easter eggs we can find with you. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Tom, I fucking love your top. <gasps> You've not seen this before. Ooh. Is that? Hang on, wait. What's is this? Your um, this is your spirit jersey. It's my spirit jersey. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So, I, this is this is my new. Well, no, it's my second newest spirit jersey that I'm wearing. It's the um, the Star Wars um official. Um, 40th anniversary, sorry, 45th anniversary. 45th, because it's from the year. Yeah. Yes. 40. I like it. 45th anniversary. Um, spirit. Oh my God. Stunning. Just so people who cannot see this, although we will put up a picture because this is a thing of beauty, it's so simple. It's just a basically, it's a, a black jersey with the Star Wars logo on the front covered in stars, oh. little tiny stars, as if you are glancing up at the Star Wars universe. And on the back, in that perfect font that we all know and love. <gasps> it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, I love it's it. It's a thing of beauty. I have, um, I also have a new spirit jersey for Disney, which I'm going back to. Going many, what are we talking? We're talking um, eight days, eight days. Oh my God, that's so exciting. I'm so excited. <laughs> Halloween. Disneyland Paris, it's so freaking amazing. I know, and I've already spoken to Martin about my order. <laughs> I really? <laughs> Hell yeah, I will be giving you money at the weekend and then... Okay. We'll just see where that goes. See how um, much... I have it. some Halloween um, merchandise picks, um, mm-hmm. so you can have a look. Um, yes, so how, how do I find you this week? I'm really hungover. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> But I'm fine. I'm having a lovely mug of licorice tea. Oh, I couldn't. Have it's really, good, really good for like settling the stomach. All right, okay, fair enough. You know what's really not good at settling the stomach? Drinking too much carver. Probably, I would say. Last night it was a really fun night though. We had white wine Wednesday, but dear God, absolutely shit face. But it's, it's good. I'm Dude. just knackered because I'm I'm in the third week of term and <laughs> full of. I know. Have you reached um, lyrics? So it's um yeah it's it's all good. Have you reached a full state of delirium yet? Oh yeah, it's second yeah. Cool. So it's just standard then. It Great. Standard. And now you're and now you're also violently ill. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that drew you to to doing this job? <laughs> Um, yeah, let's not go down that route. Don't <laughs> take over the podcast. Um, yeah, anyway, so, um, yeah, I, talking about school, I was yeah. um, doing after school this evening, I was sat um, doing my work and had Emperor's New Groove on the interactive whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it again while I was, like, typing up plans for tomorrow. Yeah, very exciting. I forgot how much I love this film. Oh my so, god! Obviously, if you didn't know, that's what we're looking at this week. Emperor's New yeah. Groove. Emperor's New Groove. I was even going to start with a quick, um, like I did last week, teaming with a theme with the whole kind of like my fluent Spanish. With oh, yeah. And I was going to say squeak, squeaker, squeaking, squeak, squeak, which is squirrel for 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make a dozen out of you. Amazing. It was such a good movie to rewatch today with a hangover, I'm not going to lie. I take you've been off today then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I wouldn't have White Wine Wednesday without knowing that I was off on a Thursday, trust me. Um, yes, absolutely was off today. So we had a really, really nice day actually and we just kind of chilled out. We we made a, like a bravery trip to, to Tesco to buy really beige food. Um, and nice. all we've had today is ridiculously beige food. We had pizza for lunch and then uh, <laughs> and in a minute, well, I say in a minute when we finish recording, um, I've gotten onion rings, triple fried chips and scampi because I'm classy. And we will be consuming that for dinner. Nice. So super healthy all round. You're welcome. Very nice. Um, so Empress you watched it, right? I've watched it. I love. I mean, I've seen it quite a few times. Oh. Um, I do. It's a film that never was in my um, never sort of in sort of my like my Disney. That's what we're get yeah, me too. My Disney like- until. God, well, I don't think it was in my Disney until I got Disney Life. So the pre-Disney Plus streaming. So. Yeah, so when would that have been? How long ago? About three, four years ago. Really? Is that all? Yeah, right? that late, because I don't think I even watched it at university. Mm. So I went through this crazy yeah. stage at university where I was like, I've got to buy every Disney film. And yeah. I didn't even buy it then. I think, and I was thinking about this today on the drive home, that I was like, actually, it came out in the year 2000. So the I was 14 in yeah. the year 2000. So I think I was in that point where it was like, I've had my Disney and I'm a teenager now. I'm too cool for yeah. new that's coming out. And then it, it just skipped me. It was the same with Lilo and Stitch. I didn't discover Lilo, discover Lilo and Stitch until quite later. Mm. And actually Stitch is not one of my favourite characters, but... I think this film it, it is so written for the adults. Yeah. And I just love it. It's just hysterical. Oh, uh, you can you can tell. It's just it's for grown-ups, definitely. But it's not written for grown-ups in like a smutty way or anything like that. It just mm. I don't know, it's just very dad jokey and stuff like that, isn't it? I just great. Yeah. Completely. Um, let me tell you some things about it. Let's go for straight it. in, okay, because I've been researching stuff. Because basically, this is a really, really interesting movie to research. I'm going to start with some basic facts, okay, and then we'll go into which is um, I kind of spoke a little bit about it last week when we did um, our Encanto at the end of our Encanto episode about why it was so different. Anyway, Ember's New Groove. It was released on December the fifteenth in the year two thousand, as we've said. Um, they love a they love a pre Christmas. So it's a shame because when we were talking um, last week about going to see the movies with Holly and stuff, so I'm guessing at this point, no. 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 Holly, Holly was um, Holly, like, one. Little, yeah. <laughs> she was a year old when this film came out. Um, no, didn't yeah. go for that one. No. Um, the budget was $100 million and they made $169.3 million, which, to be honest, so we've talked about the fact that movies need to make twice their budget um, to basically break even and, yeah. and forever good. And actually, when you think how troubled this film was, and the fact that it wasn't a known story at all, um, to be honest, that's that's really good in my yeah, eyes. It was very good. It was, and I I, I don't know the full extent of it because I'm I've not watched the documentary. Wow. Um, so yeah, here's yeah. the documentary on it. 
and it's called the Sweatbox. Um, and that is, it's owned by Disney uh, and they won't release it, which we'll go into why later. Yes. Um, but you can, it's around, you can find it. Um, I've had to kind of chase it down a little bit over the years. Um, it occasionally pops up on YouTube for a bit. Mm. Um, at the moment, it's on some random website that I managed to find it on and stream it through. Oh, so, right. you know, that. Anyway, the movie started development in 1994, and it was under the original title Kingdom of the Sun, and it had mm. Roger Allers uh, directing it. Uh, so it was a totally different movie then. Like I say, it's got a different title and everything. Um, it was originally going to be a musical comedy romance. Uh, so in keeping with uh, the Disney Renaissance movies that were being released at this time. Um, and Disney had given um, Roger Allers uh, complete control, basically, over the story and the casting um, because he co-directed um, with Rob Minkoff, uh, The Lion King in 1994. Yeah. So the year this went into development, he just had this massive success. So they were like, do it go for it um so he developed uh after he'd uh, done the lion king and had so much success with having elton john doing the music for it he invited sting to come do the music for this so another super well-known um musician um of the same caliber as elton john you know he's been going for decades, yeah, and decades. Yeah. um and one of the provisos that sting had with uh taking on the job was that his wife, Trudy Styler, um, who's a filmmaker, producer, actress, all of that kind of stuff, um, would be allowed to document it and film it um, as they were doing like the making off. Um, and that is what turned into being the sweatbox. Um, it is a very, I don't, what you say is a very, on, I was gonna say it's a very honest um, documentary. I mean, it's obviously gonna be from, from their side of things, but you can see why it's not gonna be released. Have you seen it? I haven't no, but you know, you, you you can sort of almost tell what it's gonna you be like. It's see called... the collapsing. Yeah, it's called the sweatbox. Yeah, there's a reason like... for that. And it's uncomfortable to it's uncomfortable viewing. Right. Um, so basically they get to a certain point um in the creation of the film and they start to feel very anxious about it and where it's going and the feedback they're getting is not good. It's um it's tricky, it's a tricky watch. Um, and then you see everything completely collapse and, and why, but I'll go into that in a bit as well. Um, so when Sting started working on the um, um, working on the soundtrack, there was no completed script. So this is the start of all these problems coming out now. Right. So okay. having to write a soundtrack um, after like just conversations and hearsay about what the storyline was going to be and who the characters were and how the characters were and the personalities. And he's having to write these songs based around them. So really, really tricky. Um, so it had a totally different storyline as well. It wasn't. It wasn't like it is now. It had. It had some of the same characters, but it had other ones as well. No, I hear it was something like a little bit like um, the Prince and the Pauper. Yeah, there was. That was kind of like a subplot situation going on. In okay. There. So Isma was the was the um, antagonist. Mm. Um, in it originally, Cusco is called Manco. Right. Uh, so Yzma, his advisor, wants to revive the Incan Shadow God as she believes that the sun is aging her and if she casts the entire world into darkness, she will remain young forever. And to do this, she needs to kill Manco, who bears the mark of the sun. Okay, so it was all very serious and very full-on. Um, I can imagine that she was less kitsch yeah, yeah. Uh, as she is 
in the kind of like the finished result as well. Um, uh, so also there was the subplot like you just said of um, the Prince and the Pauper and basically um, Patcher uh, wasn't the Patcher that we see in The Emperor's New Groove. He was actually a doppelganger right. of Manco, Cusco, Manco, as he was named at the time, but he was going to be um, voiced by Owen Wilson. Yes, I didn't know this. He would have been a different voice, but the same same look. Mm-hmm. And their storyline was basically um, they get into a fight, these two characters, and basically Cusco lets, um, well, Manco lets Patcher go, who is just a llama farmer, um, lets him go in return for swapping out so that Cusco can go off and do his own thing and be safe and everything. And that's how that storyline kind of gets woven oh, okay. in. Um, so also originally Carla Gugino and Harvey Feierstein were going to be playing major roles in it. Oh, wow. so, they, so there were these big names of that time, 2000, attached to it that were going to be in it as well and that would have been quite the draw. Um, and obviously we've still got um, Wonderful Earth Kid, but not mega, mega names. Although I suppose uh, we've got David Spade in there who bigger in America than he is here. Let's put this in the 90s. John Goodman was pretty big. Like, oh, he's yeah, I mean, he's fabulous, but would he be a draw? I don't know. He's not like a well, I I, I would say so more in America. Like, you know, he yeah, he was in Roseanne. Um, don't say what he was in because I'm gonna tell you what he was in. Oh, okay, all right, okay, don't you worry, back off. Uh, basically, uh, so they ended up um, having their characters written out. Um, and the movie was rewritten completely because of the bad reception to Poe Contest and Hunchback and Notched Arm. Um, and also for test audiences, they got in test audiences for stuff and it just wasn't funny enough for them um, as well. And yeah, of course, you know, over the years that were in between 94 and 2000 when this was released, we had various films just flop. Yeah, and they did take a really serious kind of term and stuff. And obviously people like a laugh and Disney is aimed at kids preliminary. Um, so what can you do? Anyway, Disney brought in a new director, Mark Drindle, um, and he was uh, previously a Disney animator who had left Disney and moved to Warner Brothers. And I think that that is very um, evident from the style of humour mm-hmm. that we get in um, in the new movie, in The Emperor's New Groove, because it is very slapstick. Yeah, very yeah. I love it because it is ridiculous, but... And that's why I think, like, younger me would have loved yeah. it because I've always been slapstick pantomime kind of humor that's yeah. part of me and i think if this had come out like five years earlier i would have like at this up like it was just it yeah. just fell in that point where disney had in the only point of my life where disney had sort of t- taken a bit of a sidestep and i was sort of more interested in other things at the time <laughs> um but yeah you know it's i I that's why I'm now like the whole slapstick element of this is just like incredible. Like the the sequences and everything is just brilliant. It's just very actually quite um British kind of humour in elements. Yeah, it is well. actually. They've got a few little nods in there, which is cute. Like um, in the opening sequence, there is um a little nod to River Dance, which is really funny. Mm. There was even things today that I hadn't noticed. There's a little Easter eggish kind of referencey kind of bit, which I'll talk about later, which um. Liam and I hadn't noticed before, and that was actually really funny. Um, so they changed, like I was saying, he was called Manco originally, Cusco. Yeah. Um, they changed that because uh, they realised that Manco is a word that um, isn't so good when it's translated from different languages. Oh, right. um, 
<laughs> so basically, um, in Portuguese, it means lame or crippled. Okay. Uh, and in Dutch, it's short for shortfall or inadequacy. And they didn't really want words like that linked to their new film. No, no, no. They changed into Cusco, who is actually the Incan Lord of the Dance. Hence, they then chucked in that funny little reference right in the beginning where they all, all the gods start doing river dance. And yeah, yeah. The, what was his name? Michael Flatley? Yeah, with, of course, in 2000, uh, in the years leading up to this, that mm. was the point when river dance exploded because it was the nine, even 96, or nine, I think it was 96, wasn't it, when we last won Eurovision. In you, you're the Eurovision. So I'm gonna. Oh my god, that's really awful. Um, when we won, um, love with love shines a light. Oh, Katrina the waves. Katrina the waves. It oh. was the year that Riverdance had like um, like the interval show, and it was the first time it. Oh my seen... god, it was. I remember. Yeah. Yes. It was the first time it had been seen by an international audience, and it's one of the only moments where Eurovision has had an international sort of stamp on the like the world. It's like huge. Yeah. Like it was like literally like real dance was seen, and then all of a sudden it exploded, and it was everywhere. And this Did you ever like, go and see it? No, I've never seen it. I've never. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen. I've seen like the the dance sort of imitated in place. Like my cousins' dance schools have always done some kind yeah. of river dance thing, but like. It's yeah, it, it it was so huge, and that even like we all talk about Disney Emperor's New Groove. There's River Dance in it, like it was everywhere, and you just sort of forget how big it actually was. It's just ridiculous. It's been parodied so many times as well, hasn't yeah. it? That's it. There's a really funny episode of Cap and Kim where they do a load of Irish dancing. It's fucking hilarious. Um, okay, the cast just going into that battle yeah. friend God Good. John Goodman and uh, David Spade. So Cusco, David Spade, and he is known in the States mainly for uh, Eight Simple Rules. Okay. Um, yeah, he came into that after it was Eight Simple Rules, so dating my teenage daughter. Um, and he was also in Rules of Engagement. Um, but kids-wise, he was um, the Invisible Man in the Hotel Transylvania series. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, I do recognise your, vo- your voice. That's right. But I know so little about him. Oh, right. Um, Pat Schell, like, I was, like we were saying, John Goodman. And he's yeah. known for Batman. And also, uh, Disney-wise, he's known for, uh, obviously, the Monsters, Inc. franchise. Thanks, Sully. Sully, yeah. Um, he also was Baloo in The Jungle Book 2. And he was also, um, I know this, he was in uh, Princess and the Frog. As? As uh, the papa. Um, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Is it Big Daddy? Big Daddy. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. Also, he cameos briefly in Cars as a Sully truck. Oh, okay. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. I've never seen Cars. <laughs> so don't look at me like that. I've never seen Cars. I know. Do you know what? Some of the guys at work, we were chatting. Um, I think it was just yesterday, actually. Um, but obviously, I've drunk a lot since then, so it could have been the day before. Um, and they were talking about Cars, and it's it's really like... It's really popular with their age group. They're kind of late teens, early twenties. Yeah. See, I. So when so that must have come out when they were tiny because they're all still loving on it. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was the early noughties, wasn't it? So like early noughties, uh-huh. and I I loved Cars. <laughs> I'm one of the only people that I think it's Martin... to... it, Martin hates it. He can't stand it. But I I I don't know. Like, I think it's because I remember really getting into watching it when I 
had been in America, been to America, and I'd lived in America, mm-hmm. and worked in America. And when I sort of that whole idea, and I'd like traveled around the East Coast from America, and that mm-hmm. whole idea of sort of that whole like American feel of the film, right? Something that appeals to me. And I think, um, yeah, I just, there's just something about it that I love. The second one, I actually really, really like, and everyone really? eats it. The third one is not so great. What about um, planes? Never seen any of the planes. Okay, interesting. And also, what about? Have you seen the? Um, they've got a new series, haven't they, on Disney Plus? I haven't seen it yet. I will watch it. It will. Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit sort of dubious because I was a bit disappointed yeah. with the Monsters Inc. TV series. Really, Monsters? What was that? Is that Monsters at Work? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that didn't appeal. It, I watched a couple of episodes and I sort of got my way through all of it, but it's it's not aimed at adults, basically, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, I figured. I mean, Monsters Inc., they're great. I enjoy them, but I don't know. A TV series of it? I'm not that I'm not that messy. Yeah. Um, okay, where am I up to? Uh, yeah, so Big Daddy, Sally Trap. Great. So, Yzma is played by Eartha Kitt, who Just... is fabulous and she's iconic. Um, and she was obviously, um, for those of you that don't know, um, she was Catwoman in the final season of uh, Batman in 1967. That really kitsch, trashy version of Batman. Yeah. Absolutely fucking stunning in that. She's just amazing. But, yeah, she is. So she carried on voicing Yzma in Kronk's New Groove and then also in um, The Emperor's New School, the TV series. Yeah. Um, and actually that ended in 2008 and she... Um, and she died the same year, which is a shame. Yeah. But, um, but there you go. But I just love that she actually came back because, as we know, with um, a lot of the sequels and TV series stuff, we've talked about Return, Return of Jafar and stuff like that. They they've occasionally recast voices, and I just think it's really lovely that a name that big did come back um, and do the full shebang. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I think you know, she just she was so committed to that role, and I think actually. It's one of the most underestimated villains, I think, of the Disney. Mm. I think Isma is like she's hysterical. I was like watching it. Her and Kronk as a double act as well. I just right. so funny. The the bit that makes me laugh the most most about Isma is her costume, like what she's wearing, and it's like <laughs> the way she's been animated. We talk about this being sort of like quite adult humor. Yeah, her boobs. I know. I love so low. They're so fabulous. I love it. Everything about her is low and saggy, yeah. yet she's also so spiky. I love it. Um, she was looking into kind of her more. She was um, she was designed by the same animator who did Scar and Jafar. And I just think you can really, really tell. Uh, yes, definitely. One, like all of those kind of sort of pointed shoulders and... Like the face, yeah, yeah, definitely. Willowy, you know, that yeah. kind of like could almost disappear into the background, but also could be very dramatic at the same time. Yeah. Definitely. So I love her. And like you say, yeah, I really do feel like she's a massively underrated villain. In fact, here I am sat drinking my licorice tea out of my uh, Bad Girls Disney villains. Nice. Mug. Actually, yeah, you don't ever see Yzma on everything, on anything, do you? On this, I have got no. uh, Ursula and Evil Queen and Cruella de Vil. Though she does appear as a villain on the Halloween oh. Disneyland Paris soirees, does so she? Yeah, she always comes out. Isma's always out um, on the, the Halloween soirees, 
such a good character. Dying though, because I've I've seen pictures of um of the foam headed <laughs> Isma, <laughs> and she's got that fun look like um like Jesse, like we were talking about, yeah. not Jesse, yeah, like Bo Peep. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Something about those heads that I'm like, oh, I just there's something about it I just don't like. They're quite terrifying. Um, Kronk. Uh, Kronk's played by Patrick Warburton, uh, and he was in Rules of Engagement with David Spade, so I kind of like that there's that little link there. Again, he's done more Disney stuff too. And what, am I, am I right in thinking he was in Family Guy? No, no. Um, he, he was just Johnson in Family Guy, yeah. And obviously yeah. he's in the show as well off the back of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was that... Um, and also, he was the voice of Buzz, uh, Buzz Lightyear in the Buzz Lightyear um, Star Command TV series. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and he was Mr. Barkin in Kim Possible. Right, okay. So, you know, like John Goodman, he's obviously got this really good, like we've said before so many times, they get a voice like John Hamm, whatever, um, and grab them and they just keep using them for so many different things. John Goodman, because he's now done so much for Disney, he's now uh, an official Disney legend. So he has the um like the accolade and he has the the the, the copper um print that's outside the Disney Studios animation studios. Oh so, yeah. I love that so cool. So he's basically a Disney princess now. That's stunning. Yeah. Um <laughs> one little thing about um Patcher is that they ended up giving him a family. So his wife uh, is played by Wendy Malick. Did you ever watch Hot in Cleveland? Was it Hot in Cleveland? Was it Hot in Cleveland that I used to watch? It's basically a similar premise to The Golden Girls. I didn't didn't watch her in Hot in Cleveland. Got Betty White in it as well. Oh, really? I didn't watch her in that, but I watched her in something else that was about a fashion magazine. Uh-huh. It used to be on Channel Four, like you know, like in the mornings, you used to get like. Um, Gotta look this up. Yeah, go yeah, on. She was. It was like same. T- it was on the same time as like um, uh, King uh, King of Queens and huh? um, Frasier and yeah. um, everybody's. Um, oh, what's the thing about Raymond? Everyone loves Raymond. Yeah, everyone loves Raymond. It, yeah, it was What's on. So that again. She was in Baywatch for like seven episodes. Good God. Um, I've no idea what, what the show is that Mad About You? Was it that? No, she was in episode. God knows. It had um the guy who was in that Adam Sandler film. Um <laughs> um that one that's about oh grown-ups. He right. was the guy with blonde hair. I'm doing it. People can't actually see. I'm just like showing <laughs> the shape of his hair. Um, the guy with blonde hair. I can't remember what his, what his name what is. She was in an episode of Kim Possible as well. So that's quite Ooh. cute. Um, she was in Frasier. Yeah, she was in Frasier. She that. played, she also played, um, yeah, in Frasier, she played Frasier's dad's like new wife in the Ooh. final series fancy fancy um basically she so when she plays Thatcher's wife um she is the first ever pregnant disney character yes love that that's cool and basically the producers um gave Thatcher a family 
just just really heavily show that contrast between Cusco, yeah, the the, the emperor <laughs> who is so lonely and has no one, and then obviously this this llama farmer, yeah, yeah, got a loving family and wife and two kids and one on the way and all this kind of. Also, his kids are so there was a bit in the film that I hadn't kind of clicked with before, and it's a bit odd, and I don't know how I feel about it. Basically, there's a little tiny scene. Um, you know when um, Cusco and Pacha are off and they end up going through like many bits of peril. So like they're, yeah. they're tied to the tree and then they break off the tree and then they go over the waterfall and then they, you know, the, um, uh, the jaguar's going to attack them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. This little scene where Pacha's wife comes into the kids and they're kind of fighting and then they say okay, that they both okay. had dreams about the stuff that we yeah. just in the previous kind of couple of scenes and it was like what and then that's never mentioned again they're like got i got some like psychic connection to yeah that. Like, and then it's never mentioned yeah, after yeah. They're like what what were they doing with that or is that like a leftover from the, the nation or what the bit that i love that was really subtle with the family is the the bit when um he comes home from re- finding out that the house in the village are going to be destroyed and yeah. he's like they're measuring each like the kids and then you look like where the kids measurements are you see the patches measurements from when he was a child are oh. on the door frame as well and you sort of go this is more than just their family home this is like a home that's been in his family probably for generations and it's like just from that one subtle moment you sort of go oh wow this is like such a huge part yeah. of these people's lives and yeah yeah um the thing that i i find quite disconcerting about this film is yeah. the lack of latin american cast and the fact that it's so generic latin american there's yeah like, there's but this no... is one of those things again like we've always said with with disney it's like different times and even 22 years ago 23 years ago you look back and you think oh is there any representation at all no no and you know there's just there's just like you know let's do a that is set in latin america somewhere like you yeah. know so that we're not going to be specific and like let's mix all the cultures together and just pick up I mean, also, they ended up making one character so they made patch's wife look slightly exotic yeah and then obviously she's played by wendy malik who is Wonderful, but not, um, you know, and it's, and yeah, it is that thing, isn't it? Which we were talking about last week as mm. well about representation and stuff in Disney films and the fact that we're only just starting to see it now. So, you know, it's a shame, but it's an amazing movie and it's, it's super, super fun. Um, with the soundtrack, just moving on to that. Mm. Um, that was a really interesting one because of course that changed dramatically. So originally yeah. it was going to be a musical and it was all going to be Sting songs. And so he recorded stuff. And that's why loads of the sweatbox is brilliant. Because you do get to see um, loads of... What's that? It's blowing up my, um, my glasses case in the background there. Um, you do get to see um, some of the unfinished animation. And you also see them recording these songs. So, like, Yzma has a song. Um, there's, there's various songs throughout the film uh, to kind of go through different parts of the storyline. Um, and, of course, they went... Except um, one. That one, and and that's now kind of doesn't kind of sit right at all because no. it just plays over the end credits, and it's um my funny friend and me, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, and it's also not gonna lie, not a very good song. No. Out there. Whereas Yzma's one sounds brilliant, but then of course it's um it's it's Eartha hit, isn't it? So I just feel like whatever she does, she injects so much of her personality into it that she could take kind of anything that's not even that great and make it sound fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one of the other songs that Sting wrote has remained on the soundtrack. Um. And ironically, they they ended up with not him performing it. Um. Apparently, the studio wanted to get a a more on trend at the time singer in. Yeah. Who could potentially be younger. Yet they ended up with Tom Jones. Tom Jones. He was 11 years older. Yeah. So weird. Such a weird kind of way that that came out. I mean, it sounds great anyway. And, and the style of the song at the beginning of the opening um, sequence, it's fab and it yeah. does work Tom Jones. But really weird story of how they got there. Um, but that's all seen in the sweatbox as well, which is fantastic. You see all this kind of like underhand bullshit going on, basically. Um they ended up going into the into the writer's room and then there's just this whole thing about how within 10 minutes they've just been three years of work and it's like my god it is so ruthless so ruthless and it's like it's the way that like so much of like disney has gone like you know and it's that ethos that um john kassenberg brought to like the you know we talked about Mm. edit and animation but it actually means that in instances like this, work three years of work can just be binned. Yeah. And, you know, um, we talked about it in the last season about Aladdin. Like, you know, when Alan, when Howard Ashman died, there was no one there to protect the integrity of the storyline of the mother and um, all of that. And that got completely binned. And it yeah. was like, for them, that was heartbreaking because it was like, we've, actually lost something that is um still that make that connects this film to Howard Ashman and like so it happens that ethos like yeah it might get a better film but what it does do is destroy relationships yeah I mean so the the weird thing that now happened with this soundtrack so you can you can buy the soundtrack and stream it and everything um some of the tracks you can't stream from the soundtrack so there must be kind of contracts surrounding them so like for yeah. example you can't stream the tom you can't stream the tom jones song um but you can buy it on itunes and stuff right uh, and actually on the soundtrack you can tell they were struggling so it's got the instrumental music and it's got the opening main title mm. music and then it's got my funny friend live but then it's got some of the songs that sting recorded and wrote for the previous um incarnation of the film so the songs that you get on the soundtrack, yeah, it's it's interesting for fans. And like, I found it interesting listening to them anyway, because it's like, this is nothing to do with it. But like I say, it's nothing to do with what they actually released. So mm-hmm. it's a very odd little collection on that soundtrack. Um, what can you do? Oh, I did put a note here saying, I really want to go on the roller coaster that takes you down to Eastmas Lair. It's so cool. It was such a missed opportunity because they could have actually brought that out as a ride at Disneyland. There is- so mad, but they did. They did um, McDonald's Happy Meal toys from it, which is great. They still did do the merch and stuff. But this film has got so many things like that, like the roller coaster, that could just be like translated through into real life and be like done, sorted. It's just such a shame that it wasn't. It so had, much. Well, because of the 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 the, the uh, sort of the what's the word I'm looking for? Because of the um the interest in the film, it didn't actually. Um, get much of a sort of showing in the parks because actually 
you don't really see anything about Emperor's New Groove in the parks now at all. No. It's there's so much that they could have pulled from it. Like, you know, San um Santa Fe, the hotel mm-hmm. in Disneyland Paris, was like an Inca sort of kind of settlement. And that's what it was built to look like. But actually, you know, they could have rethemed it along those lines, but you know, it went to cars and they rethemed it as the yeah. car. Hotel. So um yeah, it's a shame. Um yeah, it's a it's a mega shame. But when you look, so I looked online for um for merch and stuff now to see what's floating around. And again, it's another one of those movies where you can get a load of merch and it's all aimed at adults now. Yeah. Uh, they've obviously chucked out a load more recently, kind of thing, or in the last few years, but less so then. But when you look back, oh my god, I've got a picture which I'll put up on Instagram of the toys for the um for the Happy Meals, and you kind of forget how shit Happy Meal toys were. Because <laughs> they really are. Um, but they were there and I kind of love that. And you have got, let me just see if I can find a picture up on my phone and I'll just talk you through what was on it because it was actually quite cute. Um must have been one of the last Disney films to get Happy Meal Toys. Cause it they've there, there was a long, long period where mm. they Disney sort of cut their association with McDonald's and like yeah, they 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 almost they also cut their association with them in the parks for quite a while because it was sort of seen like is that the kind of like unhealthy and trying to be healthy and all that yeah. kind of stuff? You go into any restaurant in um in Disney parks and it's difficult to be healthy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. A, uh, these toys are really cute. So you've got um there were six of them that were released. They're just really odd choices. Um, so we have got um Cusco obviously, and he's kind of reclining uh, on some kind of bed thing. You've then got Cusco about to be um, attacked by the uh, the Jaguar as a llama. Okay. Um, guessing that they all were, like, had a little bit of motion action to them as yeah. well. Them. Like, you know, those um, cars you used to get as kids that kind of went almost onto a key, a plastic key, and you squeeze the key and they'd shoot off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that kind of thing. Um, so you've got kind of uh, you've got Patcher there and he's got just a wheelbarrow type thing. But then you've got Yzma as a kitten. Yes. Which is fabulous. You've got Yzma in a wheelbarrow, uh, which is an interesting one. And then you've got um, Kronk, but you've got him dressed. You know when they come down the roller coaster into the lair and they land um, Wallace and Gromit wrong trousers style. Into yeah, yeah. Some um, he's in that outfit. So it's a really odd little choice to me. There's nothing kind of classic there, but no, I'll put that up on the um, yeah, no, do, do Instagram. Okay, so when I had a look for Easter eggs for this, there weren't a huge amount in there, not going to lie. Um, we've got some hidden Mickeys to look out for. Love a hidden, uh, hidden Mickey. Yeah, we love a hidden Mickey, don't we? Um, so one of them is really cute, actually. It's, you know, the scene where um, Kronk is, not Kronk, sorry, Patcher is trying to light a fire when... Yes. Uh, wet from having just been through all the traumatic going over the um the waterfall and that kind of stuff um and um uh, and Cusco's constantly blowing out accidentally without even noticing um the smoke turns into a little hidden mickey oh screenshot on that i'll pop up um also there's a scene where um where there's a, a banquet laid out and basically the camera kind of camera pans over it's an animation you know what i mean um and basically when you look down at the green veg on each plate it's in the shape of a little Mickey as well. So uh, that's, 
and also they're just good for you guys so you know there we go um other than that we have got um a little nod to um earth kids past i guess you would put it as because of course she gets turned into a cat at the end and she played cat uh, of course um but the only other one that I found was um, a Wizard of Oz reference, which is the one that um, Liam and I noticed this time and hadn't noticed before, which was actually really, really cute. Um, it's when Cusco um, and Pasha go down into um, Yzma's lair and they're trying to find the potion um, to turn Cusco back into a human being. Um, and she's got all these potions in a cupboard and they kind of scan along and there's potions to turn you into all different things. And they have lions and tigers and bears. And as they go on to bears, then Yzma bursts in and goes, oh my, which is, of course, a reference to the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. I know, I yeah. thought that was really cute, though. Definitely. And um, have you seen, have you seen the sequel and the I TV haven't. series? No. I okay. haven't seen the sequel. I thought it was cute. I liked it. And as far as Disney sequels go, yeah, it's it's one that I would watch. But then you don't like, I don't know, you're not a, you're not a massive sequel fan, are you? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm yeah. not. Little Mermaid 2, Little Mermaid 3, Ariel's Beginning, Cinderella. You bloody love them. You bloody love the Little Mermaid sequels. They are so good. It's because they've got lots of hair and stuff. It's great. Mermaids are fabulous. Um, Yeah, so the sequel, Kronk's New Groove, it is cute. And it's just basically about Kronk finding kind of his own happiness and whatever now. And um, I'm Bless you, my angel. You're a bit under the weather, aren't you? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. But I'm good, I'm good. Oh, really soldiering on through. Um, yeah, basically, I enjoyed the sequel. I thought it was great. And I was just curious. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to have a quick look and see what the, the critical reaction was to it. It's got 0% on um, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? <laughs> I do. I, I feel like maybe there's a thing with this. Actually, do you know what? I'm just going to look up the um, the Little Mermaid uh, sequels and see what they've got on Rotten Tomatoes as well and just see if I have just got a really shit taste in sequels. <laughs> so I have a few facts um, oh. that I wanted to impart. So um, the kidnapping jingle um, was completely improvised by Patrick Warburton. Like, word like, it wasn't scripted. Okay. He improvised the whole thing um and another sort of little hidden easter egg in the film is easter egg to his own film did you notice when isma tosses the poison into the cactus it turns into a llama yes i did see that today again that's another one that liam and i were like oh my god look it's a llama which clearly i've watched this film many times before um apparently the way to watch it's hungover the one that i love is that Kronk and Isma fall into a literal plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> they like in the Emerity Groove, when Isma and Kronk beat Cusco and Pacha to Yzma's lair, they can't explain it. They've fallen into a plot hole. Oh, that's good. Isn't I it? love it. It is funny. But this is the fun thing with this film as well, like the amount of times that they break the fourth wall and stuff like that. Um, and in fact, at one point, I hadn't noticed this before either. Um, Cusco is, is doing the voiceover throughout the film. Um, and he's talking from his perspective. And then when we get right circle round from that first scene where he then starts talking about what had happened when he is a llama, when we finally get back up to that point um, later on in the movie, um, him as a llama cuts off him as a narrator. Yes. 
thought it was a really fun little uh, kind of like it's just a bonkers film. So I've got cats crying on me. That's the right. Um, so I've looked up the Little Mermaid too, and apparently it's only got seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think I just have a really shit taste in sequels. Yeah. Um, one of the we talked about adult jokes. One of the mm. bits that I just find hysterical as I watch it as an adult is Kronk's tent. So as children, it goes over your head. It talks about pitching a tent. Yeah. The tent is over his genitals. <laughs> also, I can't see Kronk a little bit anyway, so, you know. Yes. Um, I was trying to think about anything else. I had a, found this website, which is called um, www.ranker.com. Really weird. Um, Ranker is so- in... R-A-N-K-E-R or Rancor? Rancor, as in R-A-N-K-E-R. What is it? It's just a website. It just gives you um, 12 hidden sort of um, Easter egg bits. There's also another one that the menu at the diner is a parody of Bob's Big Boy, which is a big American um, diner chain where it's like, um, have you seen uh, in Austin Powers when the big boy... Um, like gets launched into the air. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the menu in the diner is, is supposed to be a parody of um, Bob's Big Boy, which is the huge dining. That's really cute. Um, yeah, it's an awesome movie. It is very funny, and it's definitely worth a rewatch. Definitely, definitely. Like I, I, I completely underestimated it. Um. And yeah, I I feel that it is worth so it is worth revisiting because um, the, we laughed our way through our hangovers so, yeah. like so hard. I can't. The, the humor is um, it's just incredible. I just I just love it. I think it's such a great um, it's a great afternoon watch. As you said, with a hangover, I've quite often found myself watching it on a Sunday afternoon. Just because I just want a bit of a chuckle. I just want a bit of like, just a bit of a nice sort of relaxed, um, sort of switch my brain off from everything and just enjoy. Do you know which other movie I haven't, I haven't actually watched though, ever, which I was thinking about the other day? Brother Bear. So yeah, I've never watched it either. Um, It sort of came out, it's that whole thing that I talked about when I was like a teenager. It's like, it, it's my niece's, one of my niece's favourite films, Disney films. And really? she loved it as, yeah, she loved it as a kid. She's So she is 21 now. Oh, so, yeah. So that goes in with her being that age, perfect yeah, age. For completely. So... They did yeah. They did a sequel to that as well. Like, they did the whole thing, didn't they? And it, it's also Phil Collins again. I hate like, it. What I the hell? It. How did he get another gig? I know. Off the back of Tarzan. I know. Hilarious hilarious fact. Someone I went to school with, Adam, um, his, I think Adam Mason, uh, I think is his surname. Where did he live? (laughs) So he, um, I remember him when we were in year seven, his dad was, or his stepdad was something to do with the BBC. Yeah. 
he got invited to Blue Peter to review Tarzan. And I always remember him going back and saying, it's the worst Disney film I've ever seen, but I've got to pretend I like it. <laughs> yeah, Tarzan's not good. Do you reckon we'll ever do um, one here? I don't think so. Maybe, um, no. Thing is, though, it's got some good voice actors. Like, it's got some really like good voice acting um like glenn close isn't it yeah i know and like mini driver and people like that yeah. but really shit film with a really yeah, shit really. And why it got turned into a broadway musical i will never know like just not great yeah have you seen any clips of it yeah you and... it's it looks terrible you need really? to watch it it's just people swinging on bungee ropes like it's just yeah, it's weird. Very weird. Very, very weird. It's like just, that whole that whole period, isn't it? Like, and I would say Emperor's New Groove is sort of pretty much the beginning of it, really. Emperor's yeah. New Groove. Well, you know, maybe Tarzan's the beginning of it. Like, you know, Brother Bear, Tarzan, Emperor's New Groove, um, uh, Treasure Planet. Which I enjoyed Treasure Planet though. I like yeah, that. I enjoyed Treasure Planet. I've not sat through the whole of Atlantis though. What? Did I've... you not like it? I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I, I feel like. like... Obviously, I, I like it. It needs to sort of. I think I need to be in the right moment to watch it. I don't think I've been in the right moment to watch it. Um, but annoyingly, Lilo and Stitch comes in this period as well, and I love bloody love Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> Brilliant, although I do have my reservations about the live-action remake they're doing. Mm, yes. like, I just picture Stitch being terrifying. There's a, there's a like an artist's representation of what it might look like on um on the line somewhere, which I'll find for you, which I'm is really scared. funny. It's nothing to do with Disney. It's someone's like, potentially what it could look like. It's fucking terrifying. The thing that I'm scared about is we can, are we going to have the same problem that we had with um, Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. Well, according to this picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talking of talking of watching fun things, um, to put a little bit of time context going on here uh, to everybody, we're recording this on Thursday, the twenty second of September, which means yesterday, uh, on Wednesday, the twenty first of September, Andor was released. <gasps> yes, so this is the whole thing. I got home last night and I was like, right, I'm going to watch the first episode. We watched Drag Race. I was like, because we had to, because we're behind because of um, the the ten, the period of mourning we've been in. And I was like, we've got to watch the finale of Kansas Drag Race. And then I'll watch Andor. I was like, I'm going to get into bed. I'm going to sit and relax. The worst thing I could have done. My head hit the pillow. Gone. Gone. Five minutes into the episode, I was asleep. So I haven't watched it yet. So I'm, I, yeah. We haven't watched it because we got incredibly drunk last night and then wanted to kind of like have a proper brain for it today. I'm just, have you watched it? No. No, no. Okay. So no. I, I, I just. Three episodes out now? Three episodes. It's because it was supposed to come out, I think, on the 6th of September. Right. They, they said they delayed it and then we're like, because we're delaying it, we're going to give you three episodes. On oh, the I love it. So. Um, so we've got 12 episodes in the first season and 12 episodes in the second season. Um, and apparently we will find, we'll see the second season in two years time. So that I've looked up already, but that will take us right up to that um, one week before Rogue One. I'm excited because we, oh, went, to the, we went to the set. 
I know. I and also, and also, I'm excited because Fiona Shaw is in it. Fiona bloody Shaw is in it. Watch Killing Eve. Yeah. Oh, isn't she a gift? I love, I love her. her. And also, yeah. what was that program that I used to watch? Mrs. Zero. She was in that as well. She's brilliant in that. She was Mrs. Dursley. Yes. She's so good. She's incredible. Yeah, flies our flag. Just so you know. She's also like my first experience of her, and I loved her in it. Was Three Men and a Little Lady, the sequel. Oh my god! Yes, oh, she plays the principal of the girls' school. She's like Maggie Smith. She was born old. Yeah, she's she's always been able to buy to buy to play a headmistress or something. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just love her though. She's fantastic. Um, listen, have you had a think about what you're going to be a uh, talking us through next week oh, i may have already um given a bit of a blatant hit a hint to what it is oh my god is it brother bear please no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um like this is a film i discovered quite late on in my disney journey um yeah. and i'm looking at them right now um i'm it's gonna be lilo and stitch because yeah! Awesome. Just so people know, I didn't have a clue, so we've decided that we're not going to tell each other now. So, Lilo, Lilo and Stitch is probably by far one of my favourite sort of later post-Renaissance films. I just adore it. It's such uh, a good film, and I love everything about it, like the soundtrack, the the message, the message. Yeah. It makes uh-huh. me so happy. It makes me so happy. And like, it's one I come back to so many times. And it, But it wasn't one that I watched when it came out again. But I've grown to love it. So, yeah. Um, and it's many sequels. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen sequels, though, because I'm not a sequel person. But maybe that's what I will do before is- we record. Right. Get on it. Get watching get that So, yes, that is our next episode. Very well. Very- Thank you everyone for uh, listening through our sick and uh, hungover episode. (laughs) We appreciate you all very, very much. Also, uh, in our little break that we had halfway through that no one's going to know about, um, I was just scrolling through a bit of our Instagram stuff and one of the podcasts that I listened to was celebrating 2 million downloads. (laughs) And I thought, oh, it'll just be another couple of weeks before we're having that celebration. Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. (laughs) We're so close to that point. <laughs> On the fucking cusp, babes. Right, yeah. okay. Right. Have an amazing um, couple of days before we see each other again. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, see you next week. See you next week. Yay! Bye! What films are you desperate for us to cover? Do you have any Disney facts you would like to impart with us? If so, email us at disnerdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at Disney underscore nerd underscore podcast and search for us on Facebook at We'll Make a Disnerd Out of You. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give us your five star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts.